But I want to continue our series on Israel, and I want to talk to you tonight about the promise of the people, the promise of the people. Before we get started, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the wonderful singing, Lord. Thank you for giving us a song to sing. Lord, bless your word tonight. Lord, bless the preaching of your word this evening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Genesis chapter 12, we've looked at these <coughs> these verses many times, and I want to continue to look at them tonight. We've talked about the promise of the place, but tonight I want to specifically look at the promise of the people. There is a land of Israel that God made a promise about. There's a piece of property that God made a promise about, but there's also a people that He made a promise to. It goes back, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so he's calling him out of the land of the earth of Chaldees. And he tells him part of the promise. And he said, if you will follow me, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I'm going to make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And he said, I'll bless them that bless you. I'll curse him that curse you. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And we know the promise continues to go on that he will multiply the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He will make them as uh, the sand of the sea and the stars of the sky. And he will multiply the people, the nation of Israel. There is great promise upon the place of Israel. But friend, may I tell you, there is great promise upon the people of Israel. And just as important as the place is, the people is just as important because God gave them a promise that He will bless them and will bless the descendants and bless the seed of Abraham. And He said, through you I will bless all the families of the earth. I don't know if Abraham knew what he was talking about, but bless God, we know exactly what God was talking about. And through the seed of Abraham would come the Savior of mankind. I want you to know that through His seed would come the Savior and the Messiah. And through the seed of Abraham would all the families of the earth be blessed. The first time that this prophecy was fulfilled was through Joseph, the great-grandson of Abraham, when all the families of the earth had to go to Egypt and had to be fed by, by Joseph. He was a Christ picture of the Old Testament. Then you move into the New Testament what is so great and what is so powerful about Israel, this was the seed that His Son would come from. And this is why this people was such a special people, because God wanted to have a blessed people, but He also wanted us to have a Savior. And to do that, He had to bring Him through a people of promise. And through the nation and through the seed of Abraham would come our Messiah, Jesus Christ. Is it important today the, of the seed of Israel? Absolutely, because from that seed came Jesus Christ. And I want you to know it's a special seed. It's a saving seed. There's something to it. When He went and when they would go into other countries, He would tell them, do not mix 
with the other countries. Do not marry to the other countries. Keep this seed pure because I want it to last. And the seed of Israel has lasted throughout all of these generations. I want you to look in Genesis 28, or you can look on the screen. I can't hardly read that myself. Genesis 28. And this is where Jacob is getting some of the promise. And in verse 13 it said, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord thy God of Abraham, thy father and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thy lies to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, Thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So here is Jacob. It has gone through Grandpa Abraham, down through Daddy Isaac, and now it's down to Jacob. And God reaffirms the covenant with Jacob. Verse 13 is the promise of the place. Verse 14 is the promise of the people. Verse 15 is the promise of the presence. These are the three promises that He gave Israel. And He gives this promise that your seed will never be destroyed. I will multiply it. I will bless it. Let me tell you something. There has been leaders. There has been nations. There has been uh, people that have resolved themselves to destroy the seed of Israel. And it cannot be destroyed. Because God gave them a promise that nobody will ever destroy your seed and I will multiply the seed of Israel. Look over in Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. In verse 9. And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Panaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob, thy, thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply a nation, and a company of nations shall be of thee. And kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I have gave Abraham and Isaac, to thee will I give it. And to thy seed after thee I will give the land. And so here's the very first time the name Israel is ever seen in the Bible. When we think of the land of Israel, we must go back to Jacob because the name of Jacob is literally Israel. He said, your name is no longer Jacob, but now it will be Israel. Israel in the Hebrew means may God prevail. And isn't it amazing that the people of Israel has prevailed because of God. And every time you see the name of Israel, it means may God prevail. And when you go down and you think of Israel, Israel will always be the descendants of Jacob. There's lots of people who claim to be Jews that claim to be a part of that nature, of that seed, of that of that lineage. But I want you to know, if you're of the lineage of Israel, you're of the lineage of Jacob. Because Jacob is Israel, and Israel is Jacob. That's where we get the name Israel from. The name Jew comes from the name Judah, which is the son of Israel, which is the son of Jacob. Judah was the nation, but Judah was a tribe. And this was a tribe that was there at the city of Jerusalem. This was the son. And the name Jew is derived and comes from the name Judah. So all of these names that we have, God placed these names because this is a special people. This, this people has a special promise upon them. 
I want you to look in 2 Samuel with me. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And I know we're running, but stay with me. 2 Samuel chapter 7 in verse 12. We get to King David. And so we've seen the, the lineage and the promise of the nation and the promise of the people. But I want you to notice 2 Samuel chapter 7. If you remember, the people uh, wanted a king. They wanted to be like every other nation, okay? And the people uh, was the, the promised people of God and they wanted to be like every nation. But God wanted to be their king. But they wanted a man. And so God said, if you want a king, I'm going to give you King Saul. But that was the people's king. God's king was King David, okay? And I want you all to understand that. That's very important. Uh, I want you to notice this. After all the battles had been fought towards the end of the life of David, notice what he said, Second Samuel 7 and verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and when thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. In verse 16. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Yes, he's talking about Solomon. But he's not just talking about Solomon. He's talking about Jesus. Verse 16 said, Thy throne shall be established forever. Now, the people and the promise of the people is there and they are to last forever. But now God promised the people a throne. And in that throne, He promised David an eternal throne. So when you think of the promise of the people, part of the promise involved in that is not just the people, but the throne of Israel. And the throne of Israel began with the seed of David. Now David was from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was of that seed. And then as we go down the line and you go to Joseph and you go to Mary... That seed is come down to the Son of God, Jesus. And I want you to know that every right and every, uh, every right and birthright that was given down across, uh, the line went down to Jesus Christ. And when he speaks of an eternal throne, he's not talking about Solomon, he's talking about Jesus. And he talks about the eternal throne that will be established through the seed of David, And His name is Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will return. And when He returns, He will return as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because He is of the seed of David. Okay? He has every right to inherit the throne of Israel. And I want you to understand that this throne is an eternal throne. Even though it don't even exist right now. And we're going to explain that here in a second. Even though it doesn't exist, the throne of Israel will be forevermore. Because the promise has been made. Now I want to go through some things, and you can go to the next slide. But there was a time after King David and after King Solomon, that the two sons of Solomon, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, they divided the kingdom. And I want you to see that all the kingdom was united till the two sons of Solomon came along. And they divided into two, uh, into two, uh, nations here. Israel to the north, Judah to the south. There's two tribes of, of Jacob here to the south. There's ten to the north. And this became where Jerusalem is. 
And so when you hear the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah, it was divided when Jeroboam and Rehoboam came along. Okay? Now God promised that He was going to preserve the seed. Now that seed had a lot of fights. Y'all seed ever have a lot of fights? Your family ever has fights? And, and they divided, and so they divided into two nations. They divided into two nations. You can go to the next slide. Israel divided into two kingdoms between 926 and 922 B.C. Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Israel, the northern kingdom, was captured by Assyria between 741 and 721. Okay, they captured the northern kingdom at that time. Judah, the southern kingdom, was captured by Babylon and led into captivity in 586 B.C. Now, when they went unto Babylonian captivity, there the northern kingdom was captured, and now the southern kingdom was captured. The temple of Solomon was destroyed at this time. The seed of Israel is beginning to scatter upon the face of the earth. We have already read the prophecy where God said, I will scatter you upon the face of the earth. And the reason that they are being scattered is because of their disobedience to the Lord. And when you disobey God, you can't rest in the promised land, okay? If you want to rest and enjoy the promised land, you got to be obedient to the Lord. These people became disobedient to the Lord. They had a chance. God told them through Jeremiah that, hey, Babylon's coming. If you want, if you want to be saved, I'll save you, but you got to turn from your wicked ways. And that king took a penknife and cut it up and burned the scroll. God tried to warn them. God tried to save them. And they wouldn't listen. And so in 586 B.C., Babylon, and in that time, came along and captured them and destroyed the house of God. Destroyed all that was there. Destroyed Jerusalem. And then they began to lead them over to Babylon. Most of Israel returned from Babylon about 70 years later. There were several groups from from Babylon that came back led by Zerubbabel, Ezra, and Nehemiah. You can go to the next slide. When Israel returned from Babylon, they were governed by Persia. If y'all remember that, the Persian king allowed them to come home, but they were led by Persia. Five, uh, what was it? Five thirty-eight, five eighty-seven, whatever it was. When Babylon captured them, that's when the throne of Israel was destroyed. Okay. The throne was destroyed at that time. And there has not been a throne of Israel since that time. I want you all to think about that. I want you all to listen to that. There has not been a throne in Israel since that time, 586 B.C. You say, wait a minute, don't they have a prime minister? Yes. Don't they have a president? Yes. Well, why don't they have a king? Because Jesus is their king. And He's in heaven. But when He comes back, and He's coming back, amen, He's coming as the seed of David and He's going to rule and reign with an iron rod and He has every right because all the rights are left to Him. And so 538 into 332 B.C., Persia is leading and and governing the nation of Israel. The people are just dwelling there. Okay, the seed is just dwelling there. And then they were captured and governed by Alexander the Great or it's called the Hellenistic era uh, 332 B.C. to 64 B.C. 64 B.C., the Romans came in and began to rule. And of course, that's when Christ came along, not long after that. When Christ lived, there was no throne in Israel. If there was a throne, He had every right to reign upon it. 
If there was a throne in Israel, he had every right to sit upon that throne. But there was no throne to reign upon at that time. Because at that time, he didn't come to rule and reign. He came to die and to save. Okay? He's coming back to rule and reign. Hello? He came that first time to die and to save lost humanity. Okay? And then the Romans came in. They began to rule 64 B.C. And then in 70 A.D., the Romans exiled the Jews. And they destroyed Jerusalem around in that time. Started by 66 to 70 A.D. And they exiled the Jews. And from that point forward, the scattering began at the carrying away of Babylon. The scattering began at the, the, uh, the capturing of the Assyrians in the northern kingdom. And all since that time, they've been scattered upon the face of the earth. And the Romans tried to kill them. The Babylonians tried to kill them. They tried to destroy them, but they couldn't destroy them. Because God promised them that their seed would continue to go on. And He also promised that their throne would continue. But there's no throne right now because the rightful heir to the throne is in heaven. Again, He's coming back to rule and reign, okay? He's coming back. Why? Because God promised that He would preserve the seed of Israel and He would preserve the throne of Israel. Let me tell you something. When America's destroyed, Israel's going to be standing. If Russia's destroyed tomorrow, Israel's going to be standing. If all the Muslims in the Middle East die tomorrow, the Jews are going to be standing. Because they are a promised people. There is a promise of their seed. There is a promise of their throne. And I want you to know that one day, when their rightful king comes, and he inherits the throne, he won't just be king of Israel, he will be king of all. Amen? Because the promise has been given to Israel by God, that He would secure them, that He would save them. Look in Leviticus chapter 26. And I absolutely love this. Oh, man, isn't this beautiful here? Leviticus chapter 26. I love this verse in 44. And yet for all that, when they be in the land of their enemies. You see, they begin to be scattered out upon the land of their enemies. He said, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. Why did He say, for I am the Lord their God? Because He said, I am God and I cannot break my promise. And He said, I may cast them away, but they will not be destroyed. They will not be destroyed. So many nations have tried to destroy what God is preserving. Listen, 300 million Muslims in the midst of 6 million Jews. There's about 6 million. I heard that number's a little higher now today. Jews are coming from all over the world back into the land of Israel to that place of promise. They've been scattered about. Hitler tried to kill them all. All these nations have tried to kill them all, but they're still standing. Why? Because God's hand is upon them. And you cannot kill, you cannot touch what God's hand is upon. And the nation of Israel is proof to me as a believer that when you're a child of the Father, (laughs) when you're saved, it doesn't matter how bad the devil wants to destroy me. He can't harm me anymore. 
And everybody in the world has tried to destroy this nation. They've tried to destroy the throne. They've tried to destroy all these things. You cannot destroy God's people. You can't do it because the hand of God is upon them. The Bible says in the book of Zechariah that He will make them a burdensome stone. And everybody in the world will be burdened by the Jews. And they will be bothered by the Jews. And friend, that prophecy has been fulfilled. Everybody in the world hates the Jews. Child of God, don't ever hate the Jews. You love the Jews and you pray for the Jews. Amen? You pray for the nation of Israel. When this nation fully turns her back against Israel, we will be destroyed. We read the promise already. Abraham, I'll bless them that bless you. I'll curse them that curse you. If we curse Israel, God's going to curse us. Why do we need to pray for the nation of Israel? Because God made them a promise that they're going to prosper. And if God's hand is upon them, then we need to be for them and with them because if we're behind them, we're behind God. And if we're behind God, we're behind Israel. I don't care where our leaders go to. I don't care if they hate Israel. Let me tell you something. We need to love Israel. The hand of God is upon this nation in a mighty, mighty way. And friend, no matter what the Muslims do, they cannot kill them because God has preserved them. Man, isn't that beautiful? Man, the devil wants to kill you so bad, but if you're saved, God has preserved you. God is keeping you. The devil can't destroy you because God has saved your soul. I don't know about y'all, but I like that. Isn't that good? God's good. And all of His promises are sure that God cannot lie. God cannot deceive us. God cannot look at us and tell us one thing and do something else because He's God. And He said, Israel, I'm going to make a covenant and I'm going to preserve you. Thirteen years old, I made a covenant with God. And I gave my life to Him. And when I gave my life to Him, He said, I'm going to give you a promise that you will never be destroyed. Let me tell you something. I hadn't always kept my end of the deal. But He's kept His. And I'm so thankful today. And no matter what happens around me, I know where I'm going when I die. Because God's preserving me. God's doing this for me. If He can do it for Israel, bless God, He can do it for us. And when I look at all of these prophecies, and God prophesied 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, all of these things, and all these 4,000 years later, these things are being fulfilled. Friend, it's not a coincidence. What God says is true, and every bit of it has been fulfilled. And will continue to be fulfilled. You say, where are you going, preacher? This is where I'm going. If God says heaven is real, then heaven is real. If God says hell is real, then hell is real. If God says Jesus is the only one to be saved, the only way to be saved, then He's the only way to be saved. Because God's true at His Word. Let's stand this evening for a hymn of invitation. While we prepare for this hymn, maybe you just need to go to the altar tonight. Maybe there's something in your life. Maybe... You've been reminded of how God is a covenant-keeping God and you just need to go to the altar and get things right with the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that. But maybe you're here tonight you've never been saved. I want you to be saved tonight.
If you're here and you need to become a member of this church, I want you to come and make that public decision this evening. What page? Hymn number 399. Page 399. As we sing, would you come?